time for the War Drums of Makua, the season of battle. Sponsored by South Pacific Health, Savage Music Studios, and Life Extend Unlimited. Kostler once wrote, the most persistent sound which reverberates through man's history is the beating of the war drums. When the kingdom was young, Polynesia was a conflict of war and peace. You are at war until you're not. As children, we are taught from the age of four to prepare for combat through service, chants, and dance. We learn our dances to teach our bodies to move a certain way. In the halal, a young man or woman goes into the shallow ocean and for hours they move large rocks with their knees bent so their waist stays under the water just barely. Their arms at their side all day against the tide, against the pull of the ocean to build their legs, knees, hips, lower back and biceps to be rock-like, ma. Then they dance knees bent and to the command of the kumu who teaches them the correct way to gracefully prepare for battle as a service to the tribe and the ali'is. Even today, young men and women of Polynesia prepare themselves for service to the communities through the training of the halau and in the style of lua. As Polynesians age, we are taught to be diplomatic It is one thing to fight. It is another to unite. It is an easy thing to fight and destroy, but it is much harder to unite what is broken. You cannot become a ruler until you can prove that you can unite all the tribes to work as one. A Samoan proverb says, my strength does not come from me alone, but from many. To pull something apart weakens the object, but if many are bound together, it takes many to destroy it or lift it away from one object. A so'olafau ilafau. Unity is strength. This is the message of the kumu as they teach our young to work, to instinctively and collectively move, to react to the drums and listen for direction. As the young warriors gain experience in battle, they gain a better understanding of unity. To see a whole village of young men and women joined by a common genealogy trained to fight, they see that a bond of direction will unify the strength and core of their mana, and they understand that unity is the only thing that can fortify an island nation an enormous weight upon one object. And if you cut the common bond that keeps the blood ties together, you will weaken it enough that you can tear it apart. As we age older still, we are taught that the spiritual is even more important than the physical. A warrior can capture a warrior. A diplomat can rule a nation. But a ta'i ta'i fa'aleanganga A spiritual elder, a medicine man, can call the soul to raise the dead or can remove it. The mana, the spirit of a person, the spirit of a Polynesian is the strength they develop in life. My grandmother called me the day before she died. 
she whispered into the phone. Dalasu, I hurt. I hurt all over. Let me go. Let me go to the other side. This woman raised me. This woman was always there for me and gave me safety and peace. She taught me to rise up and conquer, to fight, to reason, to love, and to forgive. This woman who built her parents a home at 14, who worked through pain without complaint once, was asking my permission to leave and separate from her body. Please, Grandma, please don't leave me here alone. What will I do without you? Who will love me like you do? She promised me, if you let me go, if you let me leave this body here, I will stand behind you. I will give you my strength, my mana will be yours and I will be bound to you. I will never leave you. And if you learn to see with mana, then you will see me always. It is said that the young has skin that is strong as the armor of the sharks, but the old, their skin becomes like the clouds, almost transparent, and their hair, once as black as the abyss, becomes white as lightning. Almost ageless, regarded with solemn reverence, and although their frame becomes gaunt, their spirit, their mana, is reflected in their eyes, and the power of their words reveal the strength and history of our emergence into the Pacific Ocean and the rest of the world. Mana used to be the religion of our people, and the practices held by the high priests. Mana is ancient. It is the culmination of the dimensions of life. The Tala Olevavau, the stories of creation tell of the dimensions that brought forth life. Atua Tangaloa created Papa, rock, the base and foundation from which he created the world, the sea, the fresh water, and the sky. After creating Langi, the heavens, and Lalo Langi, the earth, Atua Tangaloa created Tangata, mortals, into living human beings of both male and female. He endowed Tangata with his own mana, spirit, heart, will, and thought. And thus humans became living souls with loto, affections, finangalo, wills, manatu, masalo, the power of thought, and atamai, human intelligence with a physical and spiritual complex nature. Atua Tangaloa set forth humans as living spirits on the earth. Traditional Polynesians believe that they originated from the gods Langi and Papa, who were issues of Atua Tangaloa, their first ancestor and progenitor. Atua Tangaloa created the cosmos, the earth, all life forms, including humans. The first Polynesians were convinced that their connections and relationships with all creation were rooted in their common divine ancestral beginnings. Mana, 
is about the spirit within, and from the spirit comes power. Mana is twofold, power, which can bring forth war and or policy, and humility, which brings forth love, forgiveness, and kindness. I have had the Palangi tell my children, you need to learn not to be so sensitive. You need to learn not to be so kind and giving. I tell my children, you know that you are not part of their world. Our mana is ancient. We embrace both parts of mana in order to be whole. You do not need to learn to be part of them when you are whole as you are. In your mana, you have the capabilities of both war and love. When a stranger tells you that you should learn to be something, it means that they want you to conform to their tribe and their way of thinking. In order to be them, you must sacrifice you. You are already accepted into your own tribe and with your own bloodline and your own customs and traditions that do not include those things that are negative. The Ali'is are ancient and we have traveled with the trade winds to become as the Atumakua, those that speak with the gods so that we can gain wisdom and understanding. The Atumakua tells us that the power of mana lies within the alofa or aloha in ho'oponopono, not in selfish or negative thinking or living. When I was young, I was put into martial arts. Most Polynesian children are. Since I grew up in the Midwest, I didn't have a traditional halau, so my father decided that judo was the choice for me. I was late in my training. Most Polynesian children are put into halau at four and start the basics of lua, which is to learn to dance, to train specific muscles, and develop the graceful skills of combat and learn to listen for the commands from the kumu and the drums. I started much later, which was detrimental because I had already observed my American peers being glib and condescending. Trying to fit in, I was obliged to mimic those around me which caused much consternation for both my father and my stepmother, especially my stepmother. There's a saying that an American child will tell their mother to shut up, and they do. A Polynesian child will tell their mother to shut up, and they will wake up in the hospital. The first day my father took me to the dojo, I walked into a bunch of people throwing themselves on the floor and grunting. These are called breakfalls. You practice breakfalls so that when you are thrown, you don't get hurt if you know how to do them. Well, I didn't know that. In watching them, it looked like organized tantrums. I walked up to the sensei and said, so what? If I get into trouble, I'm supposed to act like an idiot and... I was going to say throw myself on the ground, but as I turned and threw my arms out, I found myself flying through the air and hitting the mat hard, knocking the wind and my pride out of me. My father laughed, then turned and left me at the dojo. And after my first lesson in humility, I got to walk home. My first sensei was a godsend. 
I was left home alone a lot growing up, so he became like my second father. He became my kumu. My father was a contractor, residential, commercial, and industrial. He made a lot of money. Because my father was who he was and made the kind of money that he made, people had a tendency to forgive a lot of my indiscretions. My sensei did not. My sensei was old school, came from Japan. He ate like a sensei, walked like a sensei, and disciplined like a sensei. He was the real deal. From day one, you need to measure your response. Judo is all about defense, not offense. Your response must always be to protect yourself, but not seriously harm the other. You are wrong if you put yourself in the situation that you have to fight. Eh. I took judo for years, then moved on to taekwondo and aikido. Seemed to fit more of my nature, but judo taught me to measure my response, to control my anger, and to always think before I act, to strategize where the other two taught me that my response was automatic and without hesitation. I got into a situation once where I was going from one building to another. The power had gone out, and I had to go down into a long, dark tunnel. As I entered the tunnel, I heard male voices whispering. One said, look, here she comes. I'm going to get her. The other said, uh, I've seen her work out. She's going to kick your butt. Don't do it. She won't even see it coming, said the other. I kept walking, and all of a sudden, I felt an arm reach over my shoulder and grab my breast. I grabbed a hold of his arm, dropped down, and pulled, throwing him over my body and into a brick wall as hard as I could. Broke his back in several places. He was screaming on the ground as I picked up my things and walked away. His friend moved over to him, and as he lay rolling and screaming on the ground, his friend put his boot on his chest and said, I told you not to do it. When I got home, my parents had already been informed. So had my sensei. I went to the dojo to work out and my sensei called me to him. He said, why did you do that? When you were in that tunnel, did you not hear them? Did you not know that they were there? I answered, yeah, I heard them. I knew they were there. I wasn't scared. He said, it's not about you being scared. It's about the fact that you should have avoided the situation altogether. You lost the fight because you could have avoided the situation and didn't. See, that totally goes against the Polynesian traditions. We are warriors. We never back down without the advantage of an outcome of some kind, win or lose, blood or exhilaration. My response to this guy was measured. I already knew what I was going to do if he accosted me and I wasn't going to detour from the path that I was on because I wanted to avoid a conflict. I went head on into the battle and I had to take the consequence of my actions. Now my father, he was okay with it. He told the police that the guy had no right to touch me and this was the result. Polynesians are not brutal per se, but we do have a profound sense of justice. We keep going in battle until you surrender. After you surrender and say that you've surrendered, everything is good. 
It has to be. If you're on an island, you will always see the enemy. So the best philosophy is Ho'oponopono. Forgive and be kind, or you will always be at war. The job of a leader, a royal, an ali, is to always join the tribes to work as one, harmony, which means that at some point during war, there has to be some compassion from the winner. War or battle on an island is always a conflict of interest. Max Licato said, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. In my youth, I learned the art of war, the strategies of battle and to accept collateral damage. But as I age, I have found that collaboration is a much more desirable outcome. Polynesians as children, we learn obedience to the kumu or the commands. We learn that service is the main reason why we live. As youths, we learn self-control. We learn the consequence of disobedience to service. We learn to honor our tribe and what consequences happen when we don't. As we become adults, we learn leadership and service to our families and tribe become more spiritual and existential. More about the dimension of life than a focus on one element. The Makuas understand the statement George Feuerstein once said, so long as we are in conflict with our body, we cannot find peace of mind. The Polynesian indigenous religion of mana holds that peace and harmony are spiritual elements at the heart of creation. Hence, the continual search for it and the existence of established cultural ways and means of maintaining and reinstating this unity and peace in the social and religious life of Polynesians. In a traditional Polynesian society, there exists four special relationships known as key harmonies. The relationship between human beings, the relationship between human beings and the cosmos, the relationship between human beings and the environment, the relationship between man and self. These four relationships constitute the four key harmonies for Polynesian indigenous religion and spirituality in our search for peace and harmony. When each one, and then all together, those four harmonies find equilibrium, then there is peace and harmony. My sensei used to tell me that there must be balance between the physical, the mental, and the spiritual to find harmony in all things. Rumi said, I hear a drum in my soul's ear coming from the depths of the stars. The relationship between human beings and the cosmos lasts from birth to death and beyond. From the beginning, the beating heart or drum beat we hear as we become tangata and understand the relationship between each other. We hear the call of the drums in our halaos and from our kumus. We learn the relationship between our environment and ourselves as we learn to move and take direction, to serve as we integrate and develop our loto, our manatu, masalo, and our atamai. We develop the relationship between man and self. And in the end, 
as we look at the stars that help us to navigate our journeys in life. There is a wonder and an awe as we are Makua and take time to think about our next journey as we listen to the drums and watch our youth, young men and women, as they take directions from the drums, we acknowledge that these drums open up the portals to the dead. It calls our spirit, our mana, and opens our souls to receive it. Our journey from birth resonates the life values left behind in death. In Polynesian, there is a saying, it is through the way you serve others that your greatness will be felt. And the relationship between ourselves and the cosmos solidifies as we change and journey from dimension to dimension and become the kapu. As we change in life to death, the drums beat light, soft, to lift us from our heavy bodies. Virginia Woolf was right when she said, like a ghostly roll of drums, remorselessly beat the measure of life. And we will journey onto the stars as the drums beat on. Keep listening for more episodes of The War Drums of Makua, The Season of Battle. Brought to you by SouthPackHealth.com. The wisdom of the past is the health of the future. SavageMusicStudios.com and Life Extend Unlimited. The taste you know, the results you prefer.